On this episode of AV Week, we take a look at system on chip versus secondary uh, outbound uh, digital signage players, as well as the future of work in AV. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 490, recorded Friday, January 8th, 2021, Manic Monday. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by... Sure. Sound extraordinary. And by... Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. This is technically the first time I'm saying that in the year of 2021, so welcome back. Hope you are uh, fully rested um, um, and uh, tanned and ready to go and hit this year round running. First and foremost, Charmaine Torella from Varex joins us to talk about the news of the week. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, and Happy New Year, all. Happy New Year and newly inducted SCN Hall of Fame member, Charmaine Torella, just for the record. You can see all of them. Uh, well, you can read about them on avnetwork.com or you can watch me interview them on uh, on uh, avnation.tv because Mitchell's- I have a question. You, you're one of the inductees. Did you interview yourself? I am. That is a, that is a, that is a horrible rumor that I am in the SCN Hall of Fame. My tongue is, is firmly in my cheek, and I was hoping to get out of this without you saying that. But thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. Yeah, yes. You're welcome. Uh, and Mitchell did an excellent job of editing, and so I interviewed myself. Uh, Jared Hillman, I don't really. You all, you'll have to wait until the end to see who interviews me. Jared Hillman, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm not as tanned as one would expect in a Canadian Well, you're in Canada. Tour. I mean, we have sun. No, you don't. It's, it's I like, what, like three hours a day? Yeah, I mean, if you catch it. As we catch it, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Hillman AV uh, up north in, in Canada. And last but not least, brand spanking new job for this young man. Last time I talked with him, at least Joe Dunbar now with Sennheiser and Sennheiser is a, uh, a sponsor of Aviation. I need to mention that. So thank you and welcome, sir. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Happy New Year. All that good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, we, we do mention the fact that the SCN Hall of Fame and do seriously congratulations to Charmaine. And I'm not going to say congratulations to myself, uh, but the rest I'll of the folks. It. Congratulations. Tim. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, you but awesome. you really can check that out. Megan did a really great job uh, interviewing some really great folks, uh, friends, as well as, as folks I got to meet for the first time. So check that out. And speaking of Megan, uh, those of you who are watching the video and you, you have listened to me long enough, understand that I absolutely love coffee. It is the nectar that flows through my, my veins. Megan got me this fantastic cup. If you're not watching the video, you're missing it. It says, my favorite child gave me this mug and it's through two fantastic pictures of Megan Detta. No, she is not physically, legitimately my daughter. It's just an inside joke, but it's a fantastic cup. So thank you, Megan. All right, that's all I got. That's all we have so, time for. Does here. that make her your illegitimate daughter then? Oh, wow, Jared. All right, so first story up from AV Technology. Uh, the latest digital signage players, uh, the staff over at AV Technology, if you're not familiar with them, great uh, magazine uh, from the future folks, uh, covers the, the technology manager and IT sector uh, for them. 
Uh, taking a look at a handful of these uh, players, Bright Sign is one of them. The Elo backpack is actually kind of cool. You need to look at that, not the Bright Sign one. Anyhow, uh, N-Plug uh, is, is in there as well as Kramer's Via Go. Um, Jared, I'm going to start with you on this. The, the, the question that came to my mind, and, and not that those players are bad, they're, they're, they, they do a good job. Um, and if you're designing a system where a separate player makes sense, uh, certainly check out that article and, and check out those products. However, as manufacturers, display manufacturers are getting more and more uh, sophisticated, they are, they've started the last four or five years, including something called SOC. Uh, SOC in this in instance, it stands for system on chip. Here's the short version of that. It's a computer inside the display that'll do digital signage. So Mr. Hillman, question is as a designer, as an AV guide, putting these things in, is it, is it time to start considering SOC instead of separate players or should we still consider these separate players because it's, you know, if, if the SOC goes bad on a display, well, then you got to replace the whole display. If the player goes bad, it's just the, it's just the player and you just switch it out and the display stays, stays no big deal. Yeah, actually that's a, that's a great question. And something I put a lot of thought into actually um, and realized that I, I just really didn't have a good response for it. So all right. Again, that's no, all the just, time we I'm have. just joking. I'm just, yeah, I'm just joking. Um, you know, I think everything that comes built in, people always look at and go, is this better built in? You know, um, and so I think there are valid points on both sides. I like the built in because it, it, it's less hardware. It's less possible power. It's less devices to actually have to install and wire and connect and less failure points in the sense that um, you, you would expect the connection between the SOC, if you will, and the display are permanently soldered. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to come apart like an HDMI would mm -hmm. or um, a power failure, um, something like that. However, I, I know that the debate between commercial and consumer displays still exists. And I know that there is still, as you get up in larger in sizes, I know there's a significant price difference. And so that's something clients often contemplate. And so hardware still allows you to work with a consumer grade display, and, but still put a bright sign on it or something like that. And may, whether or not you should be, I'm not here to talk about whether or not you should be using consumer grade displays for digital signage. I'm just saying, at least the hardware would still leave you with the option. And like you mentioned, uh, Tim, as if, if that display goes down, it's easier to, it is easy to re replace the display. However, it's not like, um, if the display goes down or if the bright or if the, the media player itself goes down, either way, you're left with no signage, nothing. So you, got, you, you have to replace either a built-in SOC display or a display that went down or a hardware that went down. So I think that might be a moot point, but I, I like it, but I mean, you know, it's been around a I while. I don't think it's such a moot point because, you know, dealing with managed services, right? I know the, display manufacturers who give me the least trouble in servicing a display. You know, it's down, it's out. Okay, here's a new one. No problem. Other manufacturers, yeah. it's like, okay, first we're going to go through this step. Then we have to have one of our people come out and assess if it really is broken. Is it your fault or not? Then we have to go through this step. And at that point, when you're going through all these steps with your client, they're like, okay, can we just fix it already? Right? So, um, 
the service uh, of serviceability of having um, that hardware that not integrated, the SOC not integrated and using the media player, it gives you, uh, if, if the media player fails, swap out the media players really quick and easy. You know, this, I don't have to worry about unmounting this thing, getting a new display. Right time it takes for this manufacturer to come around and actually say, oh yeah, we'll do it for free. Or no, you have to buy a new one. So I, I think that's a valid argument and point that you made about the serviceability behind this. That's something that's a consideration. Absolutely, it is, absolutely. Joe, I'm bringing you in, um, not, you know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to walk this fine line because I've never asked Joe as a manufacturer, but he is our, our resident manufacturer on this episode. So that there you go. Talk for a second about the, 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 the process, I guess is the best way to put this, for advanced replacement and for assessing systems that do go down in the field. You know, from Charmaine and, and Jared's point of view, certainly, you know what, just ship the stupid thing out and give it to me and trust me that it's broke, right? I've, I've either been out there at least once, possibly two or three times. I've spent the money already on service techs. Get me the product and we'll deal with, you know, whether or not it's it's really broken or not after the fact. Walk me through, you know, both from your experience as as the integrator side, but also now as, as from the manufacturing side, you know, why sometimes we can't just, not we, I'm not a manufacturer, you know, manufacturers can't just ship things out to, to get, you know, the a replacement in place. Yeah, I'd say more often than not, Tim, that really comes down to like the relationships that you have in place with your partners and your dealers and making sure that your resellers and the people who are installing your technology, whoever's using it and installing it and managing it, um, you know, that they're properly vetted and trained and, and know how to handle the situations. And that's where kind of, I think that is a really important step. Everybody needs to have a process and Charmaine, oh my gosh, I, the like, yeah, okay, take a thousand pictures and send all these in. And then, you know, all the hoops to jump through are painful. I can't stand that. Um, you know, we certainly try to make sure that our process gets us all the information that we need um, in order to get things going. Um, but advanced replacements are becoming more and more common, um, part of like dealer packages and stuff like that. And, and that's a good thing. So, and that goes to end users, right? When you're deciding who you're going to hire, um, you want to make sure that you're dealing with a partner who has good relationships with their vendors and manufacturers and stuff. So that when these things happen, um, they're in a good position to service you in terms of like onboard, uh, versus, uh, you know, uh, outboard gear or something like that, or outboard hardware versus something built in. I think it has a lot to do with ecosystem too. Like, what are you used mm. to? What do you want? Um, my experience with like built-in signage solutions has not been that positive. So, and I'm talking more strictly from like a user interface and manageability um, and things like that and like functionality and that sort of stuff, but it keeps getting better. So I certainly anticipate that uh, it'll become even keeled. It, it kind of really already is, but at that point, I would see um, the onboard stuff being way more beneficial in like huge, you know, really big deployments where you can reduce the hardware points of failure and all that sort of stuff. And like, you know, if I'm a Fortune 500 company and there's one TV out in a hallway or something, A, it's probably not the end of the world. B, I have people in-house to help deal with that sort of stuff. We have probably have spares. But like if you're a smaller setup, especially if you're doing a smaller signage deployment, that may not make sense. Although having a neat, clean solution may make sense too. So, you know, application, but also ecosystem for sure. I would look a lot at that. Myself. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are two really quickly before we move on, two instances of this. I want to point out two different manufacturers. So I'm not, I'm not playing favorites here. 
Um, if you uh, are in the Utah area, the the the, the Salt Lake City area, uh, check out Vivint Arena, which is where the Jazz play. Uh, that is one manufacturer's SOC uh, deployment. Incredibly Im- impressive. Uh, the integrator that put that together also has an in-house uh, DevOps team. They created, to, to Joe's point, they created the, the interface and, and the, the back end of that. The other one, and a little bit more accessible to those of us who aren't in Salt Lake City, uh, is going to a local um, um, Topgolf. Um, Topgolf was put together with uh, the help of Savvy, as well as another manufacturer. Again, not going to pick on it or, or highlight the manufacturer of the display. That's also an SOC system. So, you know, check those out. All right. Uh, next article comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. Taking a look, and, and uh, Guy Campos uh, wrote and, and interviewed a bunch of folks uh, from AV Works to Pixel to, to, to Beach uh, Spore Group talking about remote work and kind of where they see it. A number of these folks have already worked remotely for years, uh, but giving you some advice on, on how to make it a better system and a better solution for your workplace. The one thing I want to point out here is you know, they're looking at it from 2020. And Charmaine, we're going to start with you on this. I want to look at it going ahead to 2021 and 2022. Um, I, I have, you know, my opinion or my opinions about when we're going to head back to work. And, and I kind of look towards uh, Silicon Valley and a number of Fortune 100 companies and see when they do. So in that case, we're looking at mid-year this year, possibly third quarter. Again, that's where I'm putting my eggs and I'm looking at uh, people smarter and bigger than me. So Charmaine, as we're looking towards third quarter, fourth quarter this year, and again, into 2022, uh, which I understand is 12 months from now, what are we, where, where are we going to head with this? What is really the future of, of the workplace, both remotely and as we, we go back into a, a physical space with each other? Well, the future of the workplace is still undetermined. Okay. Um, it's manic. I, I won't lie to anyone. Um, the anticipation at the end of mid last year, when we were in the heat of phase one of COVID, all the clients are like, okay, it's summer. We're social distancing. We're reconfiguring, reconfiguring our spaces, more real estate, spacing people out, sending some people to work, come in if you have to for training. And then we think we're going to go back to work in the fall. Fast forward into fall of last year. Oh, we think it's going to be January 1st. Somewhere in Q4 of 2019. Okay, it's going to be June, maybe April, depending on the vaccine. So the issue for a lot of, if you follow the market, and I do follow the market a lot, have a lot of investments. um, The corporate world needs the geopolitical situation to calm down and solidify temp down in order for them to make more firmer predictions. Right now, the way they look at it, they're looking at maybe some of them, some industries for April and June for starting to bring people back in. So in spring of this year and in the summer, you're going to start to see some organizations and a great many deal of enterprises start to bring people back into the office. The reason for that is because they realize they can't afford another nine months or 10 months of shutdown. They have to start um, factoring people in the office and in doing so, figuring out how the culture is shifted so they can reconfigure things. Because with no one in the office, 
they're not going to understand, you know, what people have gotten acclimated to, you know, comfortable, comfortable with. Maybe they're not going to be in every day of the week, two days, three days a week. So they have to start factoring people in Q2 of this year. They got to start or start planning for it because from that, they're going to be able to assess how they're going to create this hybrid solution. So hybrid AV solution where they're gonna have remote access into a lot of their systems, their rooms. A lot of IT companies right now are doing just that. They're building out racks to give people a lot of remote access into their technologies because they don't know how long it's gonna be before we can get to 100% capacity back in the office. And they also don't know what's gonna come after this. This could happen again, this could happen in a different form, it could be something else. Um, they know and they realize our systems are broken and they want to make sure they future-proof themselves. So it's going to be in a lot of uh, remote access work that's being done. A lot of clients are doing that um, just in case. And also for people who are gonna be a little PTSD, uh, they don't know, you know, the UK strain, the South African strain, that's here, the California strain. So I don't know if you guys know this, the California strain is very similar to the South African strain. My family lives in California and, and a few members work for Kaiser Permanente. The spikes on the California strain are not necessarily something that the vaccine can protect you against. So both the California strain and the South African strain is now mutated to a point where that vaccine may not work against those strains. And um, it's, that's where the business world is. Um, they're like looking at it, but they also realize people have to start going back. We have to find a way to outfit it. So we're looking at Q2, Q3 of this year. They're not probably gonna wait till Q4. And they're also going ahead with redesigns. So a lot of them have been redesigning things since last year. They're going to decide on it beginning Q1 of this year and they're going to implement and move it forward and start getting people in and factoring protocols, security, um, remote access into it. And so I know it was a long answer, I'm sorry, but. No, no, you just, you just caused me um, the old joke of I, I picked the wrong day to stop, you know, sniffing glue or, or drinking or whatever. I had no idea about the California strain. The, the, the UK one I was aware of and the South African one, actually the UK one has shown up at, at different places in New York state, not New York city, but New York state. Yeah. Um, I think we just, we, we should just blame Joe way for the California strain and, and move on. From that. <laughs> um, Mr. Dunbar, uh, you will live in uh, Minnesota. Um, you work for a company who technically is, is in, you know, Germany. Um, but the, the U S version of that, um, is in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. One of the things about this article, uh, I want to read this quote here and, and get your two cents on, quote unquote, one of the issues that's going to arise of this is, quote unquote, they arise from the organizational norms that underpin a company's culture and performance, as well as standards of behavior and interaction that help create a common culture, generate social cohesion, and build shared trust. I have had friends, uh, one of my dearest friends, oldest friends, used to work for Sennheiser. Uh, he worked remotely. He worked here in St. Louis, right? Uh, he would have to go to Connecticut every once in a while, very rarely, but once a year go to go to Germany. Is that is that statement now in today's day and age about you know culture? Um, you have to physically be together in the same place to to create culture. Can we create culture uh, not just through Zoom, but through common you know, experiences and and you know um, 
you know, interactions like this? Is, is it still possible to create a culture virtually? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I think it, we've done it, you know, we as the people that make up these companies have done it even on our own accord, uh, aside from those. And you look at some of the gatherings that have happened and those types of things. And so I certainly think you can build culture virtually. Certainly, we want to find our way uh, towards being able to, you know, I really believe that a virtual is meant to, to complement or, or not really be in substitute of that physical interaction. In terms of like space, I mean, Charmaine, you hit it on the head. It, it's all about the flexible stuff and, and reutilizing spaces and stuff like that. I think we're going to see a lot of like um, commercial space turn into residential. Who knows? I mean, I think downtowns are going to look different as big companies realize that even to keep the same amount of workforce, you can downsize because not everybody's going to be here 24 hours, you know, or a hundred percent of the time. So yeah. but in terms of building culture, I mean, as an outside employee, you know, whether or not the pandemic would be happening right now, me in this role of Sennheiser, I would be a remote employee who works outside and, you know, goes and makes calls on customers and, and works with dealers and things like that. So, you know, this type of role is well set up for um, a remote, we're, we're set up for that. And the culture was built around that as well. And like you mentioned, it's all about facilitating, you know, uh, a trust and open conversations and things like that. So that communication flows, because ultimately that's the big stop. Um, I'm not going to roll past somebody's office and lean in and, and whisper something about a project or a, a part or something like that, um, that you might do in the office. So um, if you keep the the doors open, uh, communication should flow. And that's how you build a culture, I guess, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Eh? Uh, Jared, I, I want you to take this from two different ways. First of all, you and, and Mark Coxon have talked about um, the, the workforce of maybe on your, on your podcast uh, quite a bit. So I want to take, would you take it from, from the remote side, right? Can we get more workers if we, if we open our doors to, to more remote, but also from the integrator side of how you help your, your customers um, look at the workplace of the next, honestly, the next probably three to five years. How do you do that? And how do you help them safely kind of um, evolve their workspaces to, to accommodate the, the, new, uh, the new dynamic that we're going to be living in, at least for the next you know, couple of years? So um, just, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that Charmaine and Joe both said yeah. um, from, from what I've been reading and understanding. And I mean, being in Canada, it's a little bit different of a situation um, just population wise, you know, uh, space and geography. But I think what you're going to see as far as the pandemic is concerned is it's, it's just going to be added to the list of of every, every year shot that you're going to get, it's going to become the endemic is what I'm reading. Um, depending on the region, you're going to have to get a vaccine when you go to a specific region, you're going to have to get one a year or one every six months, depending on the, on the mutation is, is my understanding. So I think that will put people at ease. I think the vaccines will put people at ease. I 100% agree that people need to calm down, um, take a step back, relax, both politically and and personally, it's caused a lot of hysteria. Like Charmaine brought up PTSD, uh, which is, is it's it's madness to me to think that people may suffer PTSD from the pandemic. You know, because it's it, it's just crazy. That's how effective it's been uh, yeah. or impactful. And then in regards to Joe, you asked him a question um, about whether or not being virtual or being remote can we still create a culture? And what what I find interesting about that question is, of course you can. You can build any type of culture in any format, in any platform. Can you build a positive um, team, uh, intimate, 
uh, culture with your organization? I don't think so. Um, I think, and, and I just don't think you can not, not, not a hundred percent. Um, like you mentioned, Tim there on, on remote workers. I think the thing that remote workers miss out on a lot is, um, and, and Mark and I, uh, Mark and I have talked about this before is that you miss out on ad hoc run-ins, the water cooler talk, the, the lunchtime, uh, table joking, you know, you don't have that. No one, no one, no one randomly pops into your uh, team's chat, you know, on video to see what's going on today, how you're doing, you know? And so I think that's the struggle companies are going to be up against. Can you create productivity? Sure. Can you hold people accountable? Of, of course. And can you have your, your regular scheduled meetings and check-ins? Of course you can, but all that ad hoc and emotional and uh, intimate moments that you have with coworkers, you, you can't create that. You, as of right now, there, is, there isn't a way to have that. And it would be interesting to see platforms that try to develop that side of it. And I don't know how you would do that. Um, yeah. I think virtual conferences have done an interesting thing where um, even aviation, you guys, where you have the networking. And so people are getting that, that idea that, hey, we still have to have that run-in, that chance meeting, that um, one-off time where we met someone that we would have never met by scheduling an appointment with them. And so I think when it comes to your company, you have to be cognizant of that, but, um, but I just, yeah. go ahead, Charmaine. And then I, I want to point out something because, because Jared just mentioned something. Go ahead, Charmaine. So I had a wine tasting with a client, a virtual wine tasting last night. Very cool. You're very cool. Right. So yeah. the, the wine, the vineyard, company. I, we asked them, how are you doing during COVID? And they said, well, we weren't doing, you must be doing great. Everyone's ordering wine. This yeah. Because for us, we needed people to come into our vineyard to do the tasting and have the groups and sure. also sell through distribution and restaurants shut down. So no, we weren't at first, but we started doing virtual wine tastings and it saved us. And now we're ahead. So yeah. And I said to them, when you, you know, it's like, when do you, when you go back, they said, oh, no, 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 we're going to definitely want people to come back. But now we have this other thing we didn't know we could pivot to do. And, and basically it's yeah. going to help us bring us forward, but we're also going to be able to go back, but we can do both. And now we're reaching more people. So I think when it comes to uh, that situation, I think a lot of people have learned that it was yeah. okay embrace the technology because when he told us that I was like oh that's amazing and okay. still, but we still are going to go back to this because we need to have both and so I just wanted to mention yeah. that well and I, I will as we wrap up here um, point out a couple different things that happened to me personally this year in, in 2020 one is I got to meet a young man by the name of Frank Patakala um, and, and the story about me and Frank is, is really quick, but it, it's fascinating to me. And something that Jared said about the, the ad hoc and the, 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 you know, the quick meetings. Frank and I were, uh, we had joined the Avixa, the, uh, the Infocom Connected Happy Hour. Uh, and that was the first time I ever had gotten thrown into a, a breakout room with Zoom. And if you're not familiar, you can, you can take everybody that's on a Zoom call, throw them in different rooms, quote unquote. And they all kind of, you know, it's smaller groups, right? And Frank and I got put into a room together. It was just the two of us, right? And I had never met Frank before in my life and he had never met me. 
we get there and say, and we're in there for 10 minutes, right? Sit there, talk, connect, and, and fascinating young man. Um, and it was just a really cool experience. Uh, and I, I would have never met Frank, right? Had I never, you know, done that, that, that virtual thing. Um, the other um, story I'll, I'll kind of relay is, is a friend of mine has a company here uh, in the Midwest and they, they have a couple of, of, of remote locations. And obviously when you're onboarding people during this, this time, you typically would, you know, before COVID, you would have bring them, brought them into their the main headquarters and then done orientation. Well, now they're doing it all remote. And um, they had one of the, the, their, their, you know, their orientations this week. And they were saying, you know, it's very interesting, um, you know, between, because normally you would do, you know, an engineering meeting with all the new engineers and you'd have all the engineers together and this and there. Well, now we're all in a, in a, zoom call or a picks up picks up call or a team's call and um it, it's it it does take away a little bit of that camaraderie and that you know back and forth but what it also gives you is the ability to kind of see you know uh, it gives people who normally wouldn't speak up a little bit more um comfort right because they are in either their own home or they're in their own desk uh they're not surrounded by a room full of people that suddenly you've got to you know you know Visit being in real life sometimes, uh, especially for those who are shyer or or don't speak up much, uh, is is difficult. But doing it virtually for some reason, it actually helps people uh, communicate better. So, all right. Um, just just really quick, Tim. Sorry, no. I just thought I was thinking while you were speaking there that one thing I guess I overlooked is that it will come down to the comfort of the individual, mm. and so I was thinking of a way to try to. I'm a big analogy person, and so I would say. If you're the type of person that can you can you play a video game racing a car and you love it, sure. But it's not going to be the same experience as actually racing a car unless it is to you, which is still subjective, right? So mm -hmm. I think I think you're right. I think there are people that they love being at home and working and, and the relationships are the same to them because even if they were at work, they're still a little bit quieter, a little bit secluded or maybe not the same comfort level. So to the individual. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, that will do it for us. Uh, thank you both so much. Charmaine Torella from Barracks. Thank you, ma'am. How do people get a hold of you or Barracks? Spelling of my name, look me up on LinkedIn, and connect with me and message me and I will connect and on Twitter. Um, I'm not gonna spell it because as you can see, my name is a doozy, but <laughs> I, that's why I never spell it for you guys. Because that's Mitchell's job. <laughs> Mitchell yeah, exactly. Has, it's that T O U. Mitchell will put it on the on the. He's going to throw something at me one of these days. Um, so thank you, man, and congratulations again on making it into the yeah. SCN Hall of Fame. Thank um, you. I will mention the fact that that Charmaine is much younger than I am, but we are both not old enough yet to be in the SCN Hall of Fame. So, um, Jared, thank you, sir. Thank uh, you. Appreciate it. How do people get, get a hold of you or or, or Hillman? Yeah, I'm with I'm with Charmaine there on LinkedIn. Um, I'm active a, a little bit on Twitter under at uh, avpreneur, but search my name up on LinkedIn. I think I have more insightful conversations there than I probably do on Twitter. So, right. and if somebody wants to listen to you and our buddy Mr. Mark Coxon on your uh, AV Daybreak, how do they do that? Yeah, actually, you can find us on Spotify. Um, we're recorded on Anchor.fm, and you can search uh, Daybreak. All right, very good. Check and that's on. an excellent, I listened to it. It's great. Thank you. It is indeed. Yeah. A lot of, actually, they've had Frank on before. I think they've had <laughs> We have um, Frank and Joe. 
and Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. Dunbar actually had to excuse himself. So I will tell you that if you want to connect with him, his Twitter is Joe Din, A-V-J-O-E. D as in David, I-N-A-V. Uh, or you can just go to Sennheiser and say, hey, I want to talk to Joe in Minnesota. The Joe in Minnesota. Make sure you say that one because otherwise you'll find the Joe in South Carolina and he's not very much fun. I don't know if that's true. I have no idea if Sennheiser has anybody <laughs> in South Carolina. Well, they do have, but his name's Charlie and he is also an awful lot of fun. But that's a whole other story. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, we'll post this on Monday. So most likely I'm crying in my cereal over the fact that the Bears got kicked out of the playoffs. But maybe not. I don't know. But they're playing the Saints. So yeah, probably. Uh, go by the website if you would, please. Avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. I did mention the fact that Charmaine uh, is in the SCN Hall of Fame. And I would seriously, I, I will take this one opportunity to say thank you. Uh, it's because I am in it as well this year in 2021, joining her uh, in this class and a whole lot of really cool rock stars. Uh, so thank you to Megan Dudley and the entire team at System Contractors News. Um, you can find the written parts of those interviews over on AV Network uh, and I'm going to make Mitchell put a link to that uh, but you can also find the interviews of them, the, the video and audio interviews of those uh, with me on our website. Um, Mitchell is posting them every single day, Monday through Friday um, I think through the 18th or 19th of January so check all that out also check out our, our, our supporter section these are our, our sponsors help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others so all that and more at, oh one more thing almost forgot this um, we have our annual um, AV Nation Reader's Choice Awards going on. Uh, and by the time this post round two will have begun, uh, we have an awful lot of really great um, uh, categories. And uh, Chris Neto suggested I do a best virtual um, uh, uh, event of 2020. So that's up there as well, as well as our ever so popular um, AV Nation, uh, AV Tweeps, uh, AV Professional of the Year, as well as a host of others. So you can check that out as well. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>